We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. Hello, everyone. I am here with a good friend of mine, Eric Unick, and I'm excited for this conversation. Eric has got quite the history of what he's been able to accomplish, and it fits perfect for this conversation around leadership. So, first of all, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I know there's going to be a ton of wisdom you can impart on all of us in this conversation, but let's start here. Tell them your story. How how did you get going in what what you're doing? Yeah, it's... uh... Whenever I reflect on this, I always the, the phrase "accidental entrepreneur" always comes to my mind because I know so many guys who set out to get into business and build businesses and have a passion for those kind of things, and that was really never me. I I, I come from a very blue collar background. I, my mom was a nurse. My father worked in the ag business, and um, kind of always grew up with a bit of scarcity in my life, and um, that led me to a few different things in college. I we moved around ten times before I graduated high wow. school. Um, never in the same place for more than a few years. So it, it created a little bit of a different sense of urgency. And as I reflect on it now, really an ability to, to assess you know, what's happening around me, rapidly determine, okay, here's what needs to happen in this situation, and then move on. And as I ended college, I had the opportunity to interview for a company that I ultimately bought in Dakota Security Systems. And that, that was it was a small company at the time, and I had spent my entire career uh, in college at a company called Daxronics and Brookings and just really got a bug for business and business strategy and that company was growing and publicly traded during that period of time that I was there and it was just fascinating to see that firsthand. And I really, I had, I got this idea in my head that I would go work for a smaller company after Daxronics and then maybe go do my own thing at some point. And like everybody in, in the industry that I'm in, the security industry, it is an accidental story on how people get in that business. It's just people wander into that business in many different ways. And I, I recall interviewing with the, uh, the owner of that company at the time, and he and I just, just hit it off. We hit it off and we argued at the same time, probably three hours of just this back and forth. And I thought, here's an interesting guy that's had a, a really interesting story to tell and, and had built a, a business at the time. And I thought, this is a really resilient thing here, this the security industry that I ended up in. And really, I, I say this often, that no matter how bad the world gets, it's better for the security industry. Yeah. And so we-, we Job security. <laughs> Job security, exactly. <laughs> and so ultimately, I, I, that was January 2000. So I went to work for that company, and then over the, the next 16 years, uh, just took on additional leader, roles and leadership over, over that period of time. Ultimately, when I was 27, what uh, was- a CEO of that company, and then over the next few years, worked out a plan to buy the company. And then ultimately, um, we we were serving a lot of mission critical industries. So we, we worked primarily banks and healthcare, petrochem, oil, gas, those kind of things, uh, and grew that company to Coast Security, headquartered here in Sioux Falls, to be the 20th largest security integrator in the country. Wow. And we, we built a fantastic team uh, along the way and really developed a lot of systems and processes for taking care of our customers in a very difficult to do industry. And ultimately that led to the opportunity to sell the company actually in 2016, almost seven years ago now. And I've spent the last seven years now doing a variety of things for a company called Convergent. Uh, We're now the largest security integrator in the world, Um, operate on 
five continents, 9,000 colleagues all over the world, um, mission critical industries of all kinds, learned a ton along the way. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a bit of the short story on yeah. what got me here. So let me just, you know, when you talk securities and you say mission critical. Yeah. I mean, it's keeping data safe. It's keeping people safe. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. I mean, that, that's right. So you can think of, let's take a bank, for instance. So most banks in the world are customers of ours in some capacity. And primarily what that means is the security of their physical space. So that's cameras, it's access control, it's intrusion, it's cybersecurity. It's everything having to do with protecting people and property. So it, it is... When I say the, the world's a terrible place and it only makes business better, that always seems to be the case no matter what, what's out there. There's something that's at risk. But mission critical business for us means big enterprise. And so when we think about mission critical, uh, we talk about government, we talk about defense, we talk about transportation, critical infrastructure, those kind of things. And um, those, those environments obviously have significant needs that are complicated to meet, difficult yeah. problems to solve, and um, really high stakes in terms of failure is not an option in how we deliver right. and service those customers. Okay. So, I mean, cool story. Yeah. And part of that story that I want you to hear is that he started working when you were at SCSU yeah. for Dactronics, yeah. then started to learn the industry. Yeah. And so you've been going for a long time just learning this. Yeah. And then building a company, selling a company, now being a part of another company, that is the global leader. Yeah. So yeah. along the way, yeah. you've had probably a few bumps and bruises. <laughs> More than a few. And you've also probably seen some key attributes of some critical leaders. Yeah. And you've had to develop those attributes. Yeah. So in your opinion, what are the key attributes of a great leader? Yeah, I, I think I, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of great leaders over time. Um, and I, hopefully I've internalized a few of those characteristics along the way. But, but I, I think first and foremost, just the authenticity at that fundamental level, understanding who you are as a leader and having that, that sense of clarity and purpose around you know, your ability to really convey your authenticity as a leader and what that means for the people around you is just a fundamental building block of every great leader that I've seen. Um, you know, on, on top of that, I think that the ability to serve others is, is another universal attribute of a lot of those great leaders is the ability to lean into other people and build other great leaders. Every, every great leader that I've seen has a, a real passion for bringing up the next generation, equipping others to do excellent work, to serve customers, all those kind of things. And so that, that, that posture of servant leadership, I think, is another essential characteristic. And the third thing, I think, really is that just focus and just sense of clarity in what they're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of, of great leaders that have the first two things that, that don't have really that clarity and sense of purpose on what they're trying to achieve, both personally and professionally. And that, that sense of purpose and clarity combined with that focus and determination to achieve something, I think is something that, that the best leaders do really well to drive organizational results and deliver customer satisfaction in any industry. So those are three things that I think are really I've seen over and over and over again with some of the best leaders that I've had the privilege of coming in contact with. So when you say the word authenticity, yeah, I, I can't agree with you, you more. I mean, being authentic. So what does yeah. authentic not look like? Yeah. Where you have somebody who is maybe a weak leader. Yeah. What would that look like? You know, I, I, when I've seen leaders struggling with this, is that they're trying to create a perception of either strength 
competency, mm. knowledge. And, there, and a lot of times it's just really trying to fill a gap, right? They're, that they're either developing as a leader and they feel like they need to have all the answers. Right. And so they feel this, this pressure to create the perception that I've got all the answers. I, I know, have all the skills. And yeah. the, all the best leaders know that we don't have all the answers, right. right? We don't have the answers and we may not have all the skills at the right time. Yeah. And, and being, that is very visible. And the sense of that for, through a team is very yeah. perceptible, right? So yeah. just being authentic, well, I, I don't know the answer. Well, yeah. Let's figure this out together right. or whatever that might look like. And so yeah. I, it, it's a compensation thing in, in my mind, a lot of leaders that are kind of coming up or that, that there's a, you know, a desire to be perceived just in a different way. Yeah. I, you know, I can't agree with you. You know, you, we've heard the, they should never see us sweat. <laughs> yeah. We have to be strong. Right. right. Which the reality is they know our weaknesses. Yeah. Everybody around us, they're talking about the water cooler about it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So to lead with that is, is I think, refreshing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it just creates such a different position to create rapport from, for people yeah. all over an organization. It's just to, to, to bring everything you are to an organization, your weaknesses, your strengths, because yeah. that's, that's how everybody that that we serve alongside, yeah. that's how they come to work, right? They've right. got great strengths and they've got weaknesses. And, yeah. you know, how do you navigate that and, and bring your best self to an organization is, I think, something you can model as a leader that, yeah. uh, that I think a lot of people feel that pressure just to paper over all those things, like you said, never yeah. let them see you sweat. But yeah. I think it creates the opportunity to have much more engaged conversations with people in an organization when, yeah. you, when, when you just, when you're, when you're your authentic yeah. self. Well, and in your organizations, as I've watched you do what you have done and are doing, the cultural component is so critical. Essential, essential. I, you know, and um, I, I, I had the privilege of studying the company that I ultimately sold to um, before that happened for years, actually. And the thing that attracted me to that company to look at it from the outside was this cult, this absolute clarity of what their culture was and how. It was the absolute operating system for that organization. In other words, it wasn't just a series of statements that hung on the wall. Right. It was how they made decisions every single day at yeah. every level of that organization. And you saw it the same way when we would partner with them or when you hear them speak in the industry or all these kind of things. Everything they did was oriented around their culture and how that their, their core principles on how they made decisions. And so the, I've had the, the privilege now of being inside of that organization for seven years and seeing how true that really is and how deep that goes. And yeah. these foundational principles of the organization have been there for now 22 years and they're the same as they were day one as they are today, yeah. from eight employees to 9,000 colleagues globally and wow. on five continents. And um, I, I've had the, the benefit of being part of our uh, mergers and acquisitions activities. And I've, we've acquired 50 some odd companies since wow. mine, which is, uh, I've had a the, the interesting insights of being part of probably half of those in some capacity or another. And it's, it's really interesting to see companies of all size and the variations of depth of cultural alignment. And it's just almost every company that we buy has a, a definition of their culture, of course, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and all the ones we look at define their culture as something. Yeah. But inevitably, we get into diligence and we start you know, understanding how they serve the customers, how they, how they take care of their people, and you really start to see... Is, is this really what it's all about for them? Are they really aligning these principles into their organization in a way that actually yeah. manifests itself for their customers right. and, their, and their employees? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's all over the map. We've been fortunate to acquire a lot of really awesome companies that, that have extremely strong cultures. Mm -hmm. And you, always, you see those leaders that are incredibly authentic, 
and, yeah. and understanding who they are and how their organizations serve their employees and their customers. Mm -hmm. And they're just fanatically passionate about aligning their whole organization around those yeah. ideas. Well, in culture, don't you agree, is a bit of a buzzword. For sure. I think when we looked at you know Zappos and yeah. we start thinking it's it's bean bags and open areas yeah. and cookies on Thursdays, beers on Fridays, but yeah. culture is much deeper than that. Oh, yeah. So how do you define culture? You know, I I think it at the end of the day, it's it's how we behave together. Yeah. It is really what it boils down to, and to me, that's one of these things that you can't fake. Right. Because you you see it under pressure. Yeah. It shows up when you're under pressure. It shows up when you make difficult decisions. And does your culture and those foundational principles show up in those circumstances? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, beanbags and beer on Fridays are all yeah. great. Yeah. But does this really mean something when the chips are down? Yeah. And it's, it's how we, I always talk about it, is it's how we behave together when we're at our best and how we behave together when we're at our worst. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's, those are... Those are data points on culture that you can't fake, right? You can paper over it with things like, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Fridays Those and things. all that stuff. But it, it's really what happens when, the, when there's challenges and, when there, and, frankly, when there's a lot of success, too, on, yeah. you know, where does your, you know, organizational compass go to when you have outsized success and you have begin to create you know, a lot of success for a lot of people. Where, how do you as your organization continue to operate in those circumstances? And, and we've I, seen those companies <laughs> that have massive success oh. and culturally they just erode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, that's where you, you see the difference between those companies that our principles are there because we, we've been told by a consultant we need to have culture, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus this is what we believe as leaders the whole way through the organization. Right. This is how every single day we make decisions on the front line and mm -hmm. we demonstrate that decision making to our, to our people. Yeah. And I, I've seen this, uh, back to characteristics of great leaders, I, I've seen some of the best leaders I've ever known have been so good at talking about their decision making process mm -hmm. through the lens of their culture and their principles. Mm -hmm. And that's such a powerful concept in my mind. It's there, it, it really gives those people in your organization that moral authority, if you right. will. When you, when we all have instincts as leaders, right, on, yeah. on how to make good decisions. And, um, but articulating that out loud so yeah. those around you yeah. hear that and see you process your decision-making through the lens of your own, your culture and your values and beliefs and those kind of things, yeah. th that is an enormous enabler for yeah. people in organizations. And I, I've seen that in different ways in large organizations and small organizations, and mm -hmm. it's another extremely powerful technique that people use to reinforce culture yeah. every single day in a very practical way that teaches other people to do the same right. thing. You want your culture, everybody wants their culture to multiply and yeah. to have it, you know, see it clear at the front line. Yeah. But if you don't teach that next man up, like this is here, I'm making a very difficult decision today yeah. and I'm going to zoom out to, these are our guiding principles and I'm going to make it in this lens yeah. and you can do the same thing. I don't, I don't have unique yeah. insight here that, or I'm not exceptionally brilliant in some area. I'm just coming back to the things yeah. that, we believe and we know are important to us yeah. as an organization. Yeah, and I love what you said there, and I think this is such a great thing to remember as leaders. There has to be that opportunity to keep this in front of people every yeah. single day. It's yeah. not just on a t-shirt or a nice no. thing yeah. on the wall or on the website. It's got to live here, yeah. and we got to behave individually and collectively yeah. through those core principles. Yeah, there's a, there's a great book that, that was super meaningful to me early in my leadership career, and Patrick Lencioni's yes. The Advantage. 
Yeah. And in the advantage, it's, it's really, the, the, they talk about organizational health, and yeah. really it's about establishing clarity, reinforcing clarity, continuing to reinforce clarity, right, and then building great leadership teams. And 100%. it's that, this idea of that clarity and simplicity on who we are and how we make decisions and those key questions on what do we do, who are we, right, yeah. how, how do we achieve success, and, yeah. and every single day reinforcing those things I is... I mean, extremely powerful. simple, so yeah. simple to do, just yeah. takes that sustained discipline over time to, to, to make it happen. All right, so let's, let's transition here. There's been some great people that have come alongside you yeah. that have helped develop your leadership. Yeah. Whether people you've worked for, mentors yeah. of yours, people you read about, you just mentioned Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. Yeah. So who are some key people in your life? Yeah. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the people I read about a lot. So I, I've, I've had some good mentors early in my career. I had kind of some anti-mentors where I had people that were... You learn from them, we, too. You, you learn from them, too, right? I won't use those as examples, but I had a few of those in there that just yeah. like, boy, I don't want to be that way. Or, yeah. man, I can learn a lot from what not to do yeah. there. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few different ones. I'll give you a cliche one. Um, I'll give you maybe a controversial one, and I'll give you a, um, a conservative one. So on the cliche side, I, I love Winston Churchill. Yeah. It just and it, it sounds cliche to say that because you know he's clearly a great leader. But I, as you read about Winston, Winston Churchill and you, you see you know movies about him and everything else, it just sort of unpacks the layers around who he was as a person and somebody who had you know such a absolute resilient spirit, right? Unrivaled determination, right? The ability to motivate and engage, but also extremely good strategic insights yes. and an absolute durability of personality that, you know, in the absolute depths of the World War II crisis in England and everything else yeah. that he was able to continue to rally, uh, you know, really the world, right, yeah. around this. So I, I think there are so many interesting leadership lessons around Winston yeah. Churchill. It's just, you know, you, sometimes you see people who are super engaging yeah. personally or incredible strategists or just, you know, very durable people. That guy was just, just everything, right? Yeah. So I sort of put him in sort of a category of his yeah. own, right? Yeah. So a bit, a bit cliche. Um, Here, I, as you mentioned Winston Churchill, because I love him too. Yeah. And he was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget the quote oh, man. that like, yeah. one of his critics, this gal in the crowd, says, Mr. Churchill, if I was married to you, I would poison you. <laughs> and when he comes back with, ma'am, if I was married to you, I'd drink it. <laughs> I mean, but he was just... Oh, on the fly. Oh, the yeah. Fly. Exactly. Funny. It's just super dry wit, you know, yeah, just very concise, too. I, the yeah. thing I also love about him was just an incredibly concise communicator. Yes. And how powerful even that is as a leadership characteristic. And... and Becoming a great communicator. I'm glad you bring that up. It, yeah. What a great example. Oh, Churchill. Yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, something that you can certainly learn and develop. And yeah. he, he leaned into that moment, right? Totally. And knew that this, this were his strengths and just became yeah. the person that his, the people needed, right? Yeah. So, yeah. love Winston Churchill. Controversial, maybe. I, I love Jeff Bezos. And a lot of people don't like Jeff Bezos. And I think there's some personal things I certainly don't agree with. But just in terms of a unique person. You and I have talked about this yeah. in the past, right? Yeah. The, the, what is Amazon and how that organization was created. But again, this unique alchemy of, you know, disruptor innovation, but absolute fanatical discipline yeah. on the very small things that allow them to scale and be right. what Amazon is today. Yeah. And, you know, just these, these, these wild swings between these principles that are you know, big picture ideas about, you know, make mistakes, right? right? Innovate, all these kind of things. And then two pizza teams, like yeah. 
two piece <laughs> of teams is you know just enough people in a meeting to, to that two pieces can feed right and they built entire products and teams around those yeah. kind of ideas or meeting memos so big picture ideas yeah. and thought processes and these very small day-to-day -day habits that institutionalize really important things about the way that he thought about bringing customer innovation yeah. um, to the market. Yeah. And I, I just think that's a fascinating um, combination of yeah. skill sets as well. And you talk about obsession. Yeah. Obsession oh. on the customer. Yeah. Whether you like him or hate him, yeah. the guys, I mean, phenomenal what they've been able to do. Fanatical customer yeah. obsession. Yeah. They just, everything they do is working backwards from, I've had the privilege of working with Amazon. They're a large yeah. customer of ours. Um, I work with them in a couple of different innovation capacities, and I've seen some of those activities firsthand. And I, I'm, I'm kind of an Amazon nerd. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Amazon culture. Yeah. I love what they've built. It's just it's a it's a story that yeah. very few business stories like that. And so I've been able to see some of those those behaviors up close and personal. And yeah. you talk about trickling down, right, or, or having your culture. Yeah. I mean, these are things that you read in books that people talk about on the front line every yeah. day, and the, the way they behave and the activities they have, and I mean, they have these things called weasel words. You don't yeah. use weasel words in meetings. And there's these hundred words that are just fillers. Don't use them. Don't use them. Synergy yes. and all these kind of words, right? And you just can't, you don't use those. But yeah. uh, every single day, there's people, all of that are a million people, I think, that work at Amazon, yeah. that this is the behaviors that they right. exhibit on a day-to-day -day basis. And to me, that's a, just a, a, a really powerful demonstration of culture when you, when you have that collective behavior of a million yeah. people you know, doing the same thing. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. So I, I, he's definitely on, on a list, I think, of people that have been inspiring me in different ways. Um, I, I, I have long loved Andy Stanley as well. Andy, I put this in the conservative bucket, Andy Stanley. I have just I read a lot of his stuff on leadership. And the thing that always sticks out to me the most is his passion to equip other leaders. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, one of, the, one of his real primary ways of engaging other leaders is that alignment of purpose, personal yeah. purpose mm -hmm. and you know, organizational purpose yep. and having extreme clarity in those two things and what that does for the effectiveness of a leader, yeah. of new leaders in particular. Yeah. And I, that, that was something that I, I just, it clicked with me and I just, yeah. it had been really important to me personally and it's been something that I've seen a lot of other um, really good leaders exhibit those same behaviors, yeah. right? And, and just this passion to equip another, um, the, the next man up, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's a really, um, he, he's unique in that capacity yeah. too. Oh, it's so. fantastic. Yeah, love it. Okay, great three examples. Yeah. So let's talk about routines or yeah. habits. Yeah. You know, as I talk to a lot of leaders or read a lot of, about a lot of leaders, they all have certain habits or routines <laughs> yeah. that really they're obsessed with. Yeah. Or they're consistent with. Yeah. So talk to me about habits and routines in your own life. You know, I, I hadn't thought about this in a long time until um, we talked about this question right um, before. And I, I realized that long, almost 20 years ago, Someone had given me this book, Getting Things Done. Have you read it, David Allen, Getting Things Done? And that framework, and for those of you that aren't familiar with it, this is the idea that you triage everything coming at you very quickly, right? Either do it, delegate it, or defer it, essentially. Yep. And yep. put it in these buckets of, like, I can do it right now, right? This is a task, this is a project, this is I'm waiting on somebody else, yep. or, you know... Um, it's someday maybe. I might deal yeah. with this later. Or get rid of it. Or get rid of it. Or trash it. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the sixth option is yeah. just throw it in the trash. And I, I just remember early on in my career juggling lots of things and just constantly being awake at night remembering and thinking and making yeah. lists. And 
it be this and somebody gave me this book and it, it became it changed the way that I yeah. operated day to day as a leader and it's just as a person and I became you talk about being fanatical and uh, you know there's this is fanatical because I <laughs> I mean my email inbox my paper inbox yeah. everything everything in my life now flows through that yeah. that methodology right and so I'm it's made me an incredibly effective perhaps you know borderline crazy you know task task accomplisher yeah. uh, but but it, it gets the things off your mind and allows you to think more about the, the, th- the important stuff around you. Stop yeah. remembering and yeah. organizing and trying to use all that mental energy to do things. And that has been a really, I mean, yeah. a, a, honestly, a, a truly life-changing habit for me because yeah. I, I started to sleep much better. I, everything was out of my mind when I went to sleep. I knew where it was. I had a system for taking care of things. Yeah. I knew I wouldn't forget stuff. Uh, and I knew that, that, that the people that were, were around me all knew what they needed to do next. Right. And it was just, it became a, a way of being that was yeah. very different from me just trying yeah. to, you know, keep all this straight in my mind. Yeah. So that, that, that has been a absolutely um, life-changing yeah. series of habits for me, yeah. for sure. Me too, man. Yeah. And I had to learn that wasn't that's not easy though. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, no. especially when early on, yeah. you got to wear all the hats and yeah. you think you got to do it all. For sure. And then delegation yeah. becomes hard. Yeah. And you got to think, why am I doing this in the first place? Yeah. Even how you manage the inbox. Well, the, the, the do it and defer it was pretty easy for me. I could yeah. either do it or push it off. But that yeah. delegate thing in the middle was the habit that I really had yeah. to, you know, in the flow of a day, begin to figure out. Look, how do how do I do this quickly without just saying go do this thing, right? And right. just to, right. that way of interacting with people when you're a young leader and understanding yeah. like what does delegation look like like in the course of a day, right? Not not just the one or two things you delegate in the course of a week, but what does that mean, you know, as you have that rapid fire succession of things coming at Absolutely. you at all times? And that's and to do that in a way that's equipping that person to do it next time potentially. Yeah. That's there was a series of habits, and then it just became really yeah. valuable to me over time, and and kept me sane, frankly. So, yeah. or whatever version yeah. of it you perceive. So, well, so, you, so you use the word crazy. Yeah. And I heard this definition lately about crazy. I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. Crazy is the ability to see what others can't see, and in the willingness to do it. Mm. Yeah. So you use Jeff Bezos. He oh. could see something. Yeah. But not only could he see it, he said. I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. So, Elon Musk, so another crazy, great example. Crazy is a good thing. Yeah. So you, so you I'm gonna take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> All right, great stuff here. Yeah. So much good stuff here. So many people ask Eric, I don't look at myself as a leader. No. But I want to develop myself as a leader. No. Where would, what would you recommend? Where do they start? Yeah, I. You know, it, people have asked me that over time, and and I, I've given different answers to it over time, but I, I come back to this idea of purpose and clarity. And I think there's two, two essential things there. One is, you, know, you talk about knowing your personal purpose and having clarity on what that is. I think until you do that, yeah. you can't be a great organizational leader. Yeah. And you can't define purpose with authenticity and the, the same passion if you're questioning who you are yeah. as a person. Your personal purpose is not mm-hmm. clear and you're not, you don't see how you fit into the world. So I, I think... I always sort of drop down a level and say, I know you're asking that question in a professional context, yeah. or an organizational yeah. context, but I, I, I challenge that person to say, step back and, and get real clear on your own personal purpose. Yeah. Because you're going to develop conflict with who yeah. you want to become and what you want to build and what you want right. to do. And they're both awesome things yeah. to strive for, right? And, but I think the, the, the personal purpose is setting that foundation is enormously important to the second part of it, which is 
defining organizational purpose. And even if you're not the organizational leader, yeah. having clarity in your own mind of what is our organization's purpose, mm-hmm. and then really being disciplined about creating clarity on how you go about delivering that, whatever your context is. If you're the guy, yeah. what does it mean to create extreme alignment in that purpose down yeah. through your organization? Yeah. If you're a department person, what does it mean for my, my business unit or my part of that organization yeah. to have an extreme alignment around that purpose? Yeah. And so I, I think everything starts with purpose, in my mind, yeah. from a leadership perspective. And when you're clear personally, it makes it far easier to get clear organizationally, and then that alignment around it, do everything you can to achieve that purpose in both yeah. contexts. Yeah. Everything falls in line behind that. Yeah. I think those are building blocks that everybody It's needs. brilliantly said. And so what I hear there, we're all leaders. We're all leaders. Everybody's a leader. Yeah, so you define your purpose because you can't lead anybody until you lead yourself. That's right. And what I hear there is define your purpose. Yeah, yeah. And then just... Add the fuel to that flame. As you know, that we are the hardest people to lead yeah, ourselves. ourselves. So you, you yeah. get good at that, yeah. you will have a lot of success Absolutely. organizationally when you Absolutely. get good at that. Awesome. Yeah. A lot of great stuff here. Uh, guys, go and listen to this. Whether you go read something about Winston Churchill, the Jeff Bezos, the working backwards. Yeah. You know, just the examples that, that Eric gave and looking at what is your overall purpose. Where are you finding authenticity? Where are you focused? Using the three Ds, dump it, delegate it, or do defer, it. Defer, yeah. Do it. Oh, defer there's it. a lot of Ds. Whatever, the Ds, the Ds. <laughs> a ton of valuable insight here. So, Eric, thanks for this time. My pleasure. Yep. Thank you. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com. 